Laren Baker, and welcome back to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with my good friends, Elizabeth Ann Quirino. Betty Ann is an award-winning journalist, food writer, correspondent, cookbook author, and artist, and the voice behind the food site, The Quirino Kitchen, where she shares Filipino home cooking. She is a multi-award winner of the Plaridel Writing Awards for Excellence in Journalism, given by the Philippine American Press Club, and is the recipient of a Doreen Gamboa Fernandez Food Writing Award for her essay, A Hundred Mangoes in a Bottle. She was named as one of the Filipino Women's Network 100 Most Influential Women of the World. Betty Ann recently published Every Ounce of Courage, where she chronicles an untold story of one of the unsung heroes of World War II, her own mother, Lulu Reyes, during a frightening period of Filipino and worldwide history. I am so excited to welcome Betty Ann to the podcast. Hello. Hi, Liren. I'm so excited to be here. Hello to you and dear listeners. Oh, I'm so excited to welcome you. I have wanted to chat with you for a long time, ever since I found out you were writing this memoir. So before we begin, I always start by asking, what's the first thing that you ever cooked and about how old were you? Well, I will say kitchen prep was the first thing that um, I was allowed to do in the kitchen, although uh, it was strongly urged by my father and my mother for me to be in the kitchen helping. So kitchen prep with sitaw, long green beans, which my father grew in the backyard, was what I remember uh, doing, you know, Mm -hmm. snipping the edges because I was still too young to um, use a knife, a sharp knife. So snipping the edges was my first uh, kitchen prep memory. And then um, also uh, cleaning uh, rice, rice grains, was one of those earliest memories. Um, taking out the grits and the little stones and the and the speckles of dirt around rice grains in preparation for rice uh, cooking rice. So uh, those were my earliest memories in the kitchen. And then cooking rice, uh, cooking the vegetables was, uh, you know, I gradually progressed into that. And then desserts later on, flan, leche flan was one of my first adventures in the kitchen. I think leche flan is a great place to start in terms of adventure because I feel like it's so gratifying when you unmold the custard (laughs) and see the the results. But I also think it's interesting how the food prep, because I have memories of wanting to help in the kitchen and being told, oh, you have to pound the garlic and, you know, peel the fine the, the outer covering of the the garlic and I just thought oh this is so tedious I want to do the fun stuff <laughs> so would you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what life looked like before you embraced food and food writing as your career because this was not your first career oh well well thanks for asking um I'm a writer by profession and um I am um, I've always wanted to be a writer without knowing what that writing could be a life uh, lifetime career um since i was a child i i, I love to read and then i love to write stories and even illustrated my own little story books that i made i never showed that to anyone not even my parents uh, you know some 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 of them were embarrassing uh, <laughs> And then um, I, w- I was born in the Philippines and I was raised in Tarlac, a province um, north of Manila. 
I was raised in an agricultural town. My father was a farmer, a farmer businessman, and my mother was a stay-home wife. I went to college in Manila later on. Uh, I graduated with a degree in uh, communication arts. And right after college, the Monday after graduation, I had a job waiting for me as a copywriter in an ad agency. And, and that launched my um, writing career. I, I work as a copywriter um, from a very junior cub writer who knew nothing. <laughs> and I, I still know nothing. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I, um, I, I work in ad agencies uh, in, in Makati, the city. Uh, one, one of them was Sachi, A. Sachi. And I was trained by the best minds in the Philippine advertising industry. I, I'd, li I'd like to say that. Um, later on, after I got married, my husband and I, uh, with two small children, we migrated to the States. And moving took, took a lot out of me, and I, I had to slow down. I, I did not pursue a full-time career. I, I did freelance writing and full-time motherhood. And, um, you know, freelance writing eventually evolved into... Uh, food writing and recipe development and here I am but you know it the, my, my life here in the United States is uh, a lot different from what uh, I had in the Philippines in the Philippines I work full-time I was a an advertising uh, copywriter and I became a creative director later on and uh, I also taught college I taught um, advertising subjects at the Assumption College in Makati so I miss that, but you know, uh, m moving to a different country and a different culture um, changes the course of your life. And I wanted to devote more time to my children. I didn't want to leave them home alone after school. So I, I took on uh, part-time jobs here and there. A lot of them was freelance writing. Yeah. I think it's it's always a critical, critical decision as a mother, you know, you, you know, that your children require something from you. And then there's that decision, how much do you give, right? And I think that's always difficult and compounded by the fact that you had moved to the US. So I was gonna say that I love your perspective on Filipino cooking because for me, I, I see a lot of my mother's experience in that. I had to transport those flavors that you were accustomed to, to an American kitchen um, and, Translate that on your website and in your cookbook. So how or what would you say were the biggest challenges when you first moved here in terms of cooking? Oh, yeah, that was, that was huge. When we moved here in the early 90s, uh, 1993, we, um, oh, Liren, one of my biggest challenges was not having a Filipino grocery nearby. Uh, we live in a very uh, suburban part of uh, North New Jersey where there were only five Filipino families in our town, and we only saw each other in church or during the holidays. And I had to ask them wh where they buy their ingredients. That was the biggest challenge, finding ingredients for Filipino cooking and Asian cooking. Um, the internet was fairly new then. We, we didn't have Amazon or, or all these delivery services that we have now. You know, it was a totally different mm -hmm. world. And my Asian and Filipino friends had to travel. You know, it was a drive to get to um, Filipino stores closer to the east, to closer to New York. So that was the biggest challenge, finding Asian ingredients for Filipino cooking. 
but I found a way. I realized that what I had to recreate was the essence of the flavor of Filipino cooking. You know, Philippine food is consists of several layers. Uh, there's sweet, sour, bitter, tangy, tart, spicy, all at once, sometimes in a tablespoon. And uh, j- just trying to recreate sweet sour sauce, for instance, for Lumpia Shanghai. I had to think very well in my mind how I could recreate that. Eventually, I found my way in um, through the aisles of super- American supermarkets and realized that, ooh, if I have vinegar and ketchup and garlic and salt and pepper and a little sugar, then yeah, why not? I can make sweet sour sauce at home, you know, things like that. And e- even pinakbet with the absence of bagoong. Mm-hmm. How could I do that? You know, I, I which is shrimp paste for people who don't know what bagoong is. Yeah, so uh, there were ways of 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 doing of recreating that without losing the um, the soul of Filipino cooking. Yeah, I think it really requires a level of creativity, you know, especially when you don't have access to the Filipino supermarkets. I remember that for my mom, it would be, we had one, um, there was one in Woodside. And so, you know, she wouldn't go often, but it would be a big deal when she could go because then she could load up on all those ingredients. And I remember there was one in northern New Jersey too, maybe Fort Lee, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, Fort Lee has an Asian market. I think it's a Japanese market. And so you have to improvise. Okay. Yes. A lot of improvisation. Okay. We need to get to the book. So every ounce of courage is, I, and I, I really, really mean this when I say this, Betty Ann, it's beautifully written. Thank you. I remember reading it and I was just like, First of all, I was impressed because you just tell the story so well. And it's, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised. You're an excellent writer, <laughs> but it really is wonderful. And I just feel like it's going to stand eventually as one of those must reads. You know, it should be a must read for every Filipino, Filipino American out there. So please tell everybody about how this book came about because what's interesting to me is that. Even you didn't know all the details of this incredible story yes. as, a, you know, growing up. Uh, where do you want me to start? Um, <laughs> I am, um, first of all, I didn't set out thinking I was going to write a memoir. I've been asked this many times, uh, what made me write the story of my mother, Lulu Reyes Besa, in my memoir, Every Ounce of Courage. Uh, what made me write it? The fact that there are very few stories about Filipina heroines was one thing. You know, I noticed that. And especially about World War II, War in the Pacific, Mm -hmm. there are very few books and stories written about the war in the Philippines, how it affected the Philippines. There are more World War II stories about Europe, not as much. In in fact, my friends at the Bataan History Legacy uh, Society are, are, are pushing towards the inclusion of uh, the Bataan Death March in the American educational curriculum. That's another story. Mm-hmm. But that's one. The lack of stories about Filipina heroines, the lack of stories about Philippine war in the Pacific, and most of all because I felt that my mother's life story was compelling. It took a lot of years of maturity for me to accept that my mother was a unique 
mother in the sense that she was a war heroine, but at the same time at home, she was mom. She was an ordinary mother to, to us, to my sister and me. What compelled me, I, I think the catalyst of it all was several years ago, more than 20 years ago, um, one night mm -hmm. while I was baking ensaymadas and finishing finishing up with putting cheese on top of the buns. Uh, the phone rang. It was nearly midnight because ensaymada takes a day or two to, to make. Because, you know, um, it was nearly midnight. The phone rang. And uh, I didn't want to answer it because my hands were greasy. Plus, you know, who calls at midnight? Yeah. And then I realized the only reason why a phone call comes through at night midnight is if there's an emergency, if something happened to someone in the family. But then I, I let the machine take the message first, at first, because I was baking and cooking. And um, when the machine kicked in, there was this strange voice of an old man, mm -hmm. an American. Uh, I didn't recognize the voice. And he said, his words were, you don't know me, but your mother saved, your mother Lulu saved my life. So uh, abruptly, I, I dropped, ev literally dropped everything, the cheese, the buns, and everything, and I grabbed the handheld phone. Uh, I nearly slipped in the kitchen. The floor was greasy. And I picked up, and he introduced himself as a World War II veteran, uh, Robert Dow. He was calling me from New Mexico, uh, from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and he explained to me that he was a POW in different uh, prison camps during World War II, and that my mother had smuggled in Atabrin the medicine for malaria, which saved his life. And Robert Dow became my phone pal. Uh, we became friends through phone conversations for the next few years until he died. Um, but in those conversations, Liren, he told me stories about my mother, which I never knew. Uh, he gave me uh, a suggested list of books to read about uh, authors who had first-hand uh, experiences and information about my mother during the war, which I never knew. So, of course, I, I, I went all around looking for these books. A lot of them were out of print. Uh, the authors had already died, so I could not contact them. Uh, but I read. And then I as I was reading, some things triggered uh, memories, snippets of stories my mother had told me. So what I did is every time I, I went home to, to my home province in Tarlac for Balikbayan visits, mm -hmm. I rummaged through boxes and boxes of old pictures, old letters, old, old notes, old news clippings. There were a lot of them, and they were all stored in, 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 bed, in our bedrooms. So I, I went through them. And brought back significant a significant amount of all all these old clippings. A bonus was that I found old recipes as well mm -hmm. from my mother and my grandmother's time with with little notes written on the edges of, of those yellowed wrinkled papers. I brought them back to the states and I processed all of them. And it took years to to read through them. It was mm -hmm. not easy reading through them because each. Each news clipping, each recipe, each old letter, each old photo uh, triggered sadness. 
in the memory of my mother and it made me realize how much I miss my parents. So that wasn't easy. And before I knew it, I realized I had the makings of a book. Yeah. Which I still hesitated to, to, to write because it was emotional and it was painful to remember. Uh, it was painful to remember missing them. I'm glad you did because you've memorialized her actions, not just for your family, because I'm sure your sons appreciate it so much, but for all of us, because it's such a remarkable story. And I, I honestly, I don't want to give too much away. I feel like I don't want any spoilers. Do you? <laughs> I want people to go read the book. No. But I think what's very interesting is that I feel like when you start the story, uh, it's like 1930s Manila. Your mom is young and vibrant. She's a socialite. She's living a life that's idyllic. Idyllic. And you would never expect that she would become a gritty, you know, courageous young woman. So I'll just say that because I think it's such an interesting juxtaposition of it just shows you how multidimensional women can be, right? <laughs> yes, it, it, it does. And it, it shows how a crisis can bring out the strength in, in a person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we have that inner strength and we don't always know it. And, and um, like right now, you know, look around us. Uh, we, we live in tumultuous times in, in a very challenging, difficult world. And I, I'm sure you you worry just as much as I do about our children, our children's future, and what kind of world they'll be in. But we draw strength from, from the past that, you know, this is what happened. Uh, when I was writing the, uh, the book, it, it, it really was not easy to put the, well, writing is easy for me, but it was not easy to, to capture the, the emotions and put it on paper. Mm -hmm. Because then old emotions would, re would resurface within me and, it, it um, I had to gather the strength to keep going. Yeah, well, you're your mother's daughter, so clearly you have the strength within you. <laughs> what I do want to know, though, quickly is you expertly weave your mother's recipes into the story, but your book could have stood alone without the food um, and simply as a historical reference. What made you decide to make this memoir a food memoir as well. What made me decide was that a lot of times when memories will be triggered, you know, a lot of times when memories, my memory will be triggered by what I was doing that day, I, I will try to remember, you know, I tried to dig deep into what did mommy say about this story or this person, and I will try and remember. And a lot of times, the memory will be associated with what we were doing that day, what we were cooking, what we were eating, you know, what was being planned. So I, 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 I realized that food and our family history, personally, were so closely intertwined. Mm -hmm. And I could not separate one from the other. Well, you do a beautiful job at melding the two together in the story. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, for example, certain certain aromas trigger memories uh, for most of us, like the, the sweet aroma of mango jam, for example, mm -hmm. uh, homemade mango jam that's freshly made, newly made, and the touch of it that it's still scorching hot. 
it'll burn your tongue if if, if you try and uh, take a taste of it. That memory alone uh, sears into my my brain waves and, and reminds me of summers I, I was growing up with. And even the absence of food triggers uh, memories. Like sometimes when I'm hungry, you know, it reminds me of stories about the war that my mother used to, to tell us. Uh, you know, I, I have to tell you that my parents left out the negative parts about the war and all, only tried to tell us positive things as much as they could. Um, as parents, they were trying to be protective of the goriness and the horrible things that human beings can do to other human beings. So, you know, that that's my perspective as a parent. Mm -hmm. But so they talk about if they talk about the war, they talk about food. And because there was scarcity of food during the war, they talk about the absence of food. So that's why it was hard for me to separate um, the discussion of food from the discussion of history and family stories. Yeah. I just, instead of the difficult task of separating it, I just decided to weave it all in together. Yeah. Oh, Betty Ann, I know your mom would be so proud, or she is, I'm sure she is. Um, before I let you go, I have to ask you, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned from your mom? The biggest lesson um, I, I learned from my mom and that I'm still trying to learn is that you have to find the good in every person. Um, compassion, you know, mm -hmm. it's, in the, it's, it's, it's inside of us. You have to tap it. You have to learn to be kind to other people, find and. In order to be kind to other people, you have to find the good in others always. And um, to be honest, it's it's not easy. I'm still learning it. <laughs> well, I think that's something we can all work on. <laughs> okay, Betty Ann, before I let you go, I have some rapid fire quick questions. What's something that you make when you're too tired to cook? Well, I always have in the freezer um, my reserve pork or chicken tocino or uh, skinless longanisa, which I cure, or else I have reserved in the freezer um, lumpia Shanghai. Mm, the egg rolls. Which I made <laughs> uh, several weeks in advance. Mm -hmm. Those are my quick solutions or an embutido. I have an embutido right now in the freezer. Ah, uh, Filipino meatloaf. Yeah. So good. <laughs> What's the one recipe that you treasure the most? Okay, there are so many. That's like asking me who's my favorite child. I know. It's so terrible. I guess the easiest uh, go-to recipe that I treasure the most is chicken and pork adobo. Yeah, so good. Uh, my mother had a cauldron of adobo every week simmering in the kitchen. And seeing and smelling adobo reminds me of home. You know your home. Yes. I agree. Um, are you messy or neat in the kitchen? Oh, I'm messy, but I, I, I try to clean up as I go along because otherwise nobody else will, <laughs> will, will clean that up. Aside from my husband helping me, yeah. you know, we try to clean up as we go along. That's, that's what we do. Okay. And what's a good kitchen tip that you can share? Life happens. Don't worry if you don't have the right ingredient. Oh, and yeah. most of all, like, you know, what my mother taught me, every recipe begins with love. That's the most important ingredient. Oh, I agree. So true. Okay, Betty, and you know, I like to share five little things at the end of the week. Is there something that made you smile this week? 
oh, what made me smile um reviews from readers of, of my book um the reviews are just coming in people are just starting to notice the book and read it and read about it and there have been some nice reviews and i've been getting um emails and text messages and direct messages on messenger from from friends and even strangers you know that makes me smile mm -hmm. because uh it took a lot of it took every ounce of courage yes. for me to write <laughs> every ounce of courage yeah so that makes it's well deserved betty ann thank you so much for spending time with me today where can people find you and a copy of every ounce of courage well i'm on social media often uh i'm on facebook twitter pinterest threads instagram i'm also on the curinokitchen.com that's my website where i have uh, regularly upload uh, recipes that i cook for the week um, I'm also a uh, recipe developer for Simply Recipes, so I'm there often, and I'm a contributor for um, Positively Filipino, the online lifestyle magazine oh, yeah. for Filipinos and those who love Filipino culture. So you'll find me if you want to. And I'll include links to everything in the show notes. So thank you again, Betty Ann, for spending time with me today. Thanks for having me, Lynn. It's been a pleasure. Yes. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. I feel like Betty Ann and I just scratched the surface when it comes to sharing Lulu Reyes's story, but I hope our chat piqued your interest into picking up a copy of Every Ounce of Courage. I promise that you will be drawn into her mother's inspiring story, and I love that you'll also be able to cook her family recipes along the way. There's one delicious chapter in particular titled House on the Highway with such vivid memories of delectable Filipino dishes including pancit balabok, a noodle dish, shrimp toast, lumpia, chicken adobo, pork tocino. The list goes on. My mouth is just watering just thinking about it. But most of all, I feel like everyone needs to know about Lulu Reyes's bravery, courage, and humility. It's one thing to do brave things and want the world to know about it, and another to do brave things without looking for fame or recognition. Thank you again to Betty Ann for joining us and to you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate it and share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking.